Thank you for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. We are in a new series called Tell Me About It. We're talking about stories of faith, faith that was moving, that tells a story, that makes us take steps forward and into action into the greatest story ever told, God's story. We hope you enjoy the message. So today we're, we're starting a, a brand new series. It's called Tell Me About It. And we talked about it a little bit last week, how sometimes when, when we tell people, tell me about it, it's like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I get it better than you, so tell me about it. Like, like this, this happened to me actually this last week. Um, we, have you guys noticed the, the fencing that's been put around the, the air conditioning units, right? So we have been working over the last couple of weeks to get the fences put up. And it's been tons of days um, it feels like tons of days. It's only been a few days, and, but when you're not used to doing a lot of manual labor for what you do, like it becomes tons of days, right? And so we've spent days like digging holes, uh, drilling through the asphalt and pouring concrete and, and building the frames and then hanging the, the metal sheeting on the fences. And um, this last Wednesday, I was coming to church and um, Mel was dropping me off, and so we, we hang out over here, and, and one of our board members is here, and he's over there getting stuff. You know, he's starting to work on it, and he's like, hey, what's going on? I was like, man, you know, just coming to check out what's going on. I was like, man, are you sore? Like, I'm, I'm sore. And he just kind of looked at me like, uh-huh, tell me about it. And uh, I said, no, really, like yesterday we had worked on Tuesday night. And, and so like I'm putting in these screws and like the top one, you got to lean into it super hard. The middle one's easy. And then the one at the bottom, like all you're doing is squatting. And then you're going to the next one. And then it goes up and down every sheet. You're putting at least nine screws in and I'm squatting over and over. And I was like, man, dude, my quads are super sore. Like I've been working out. And he just, he gives me this look like I'm 70 Tell me about it. It was so great. But that's not really what we're talking about. He understood better than I did what I was saying. But that's not the way that we want you to take this. I, I want you to begin to think about, well, what's your story? When you meet new people and they begin to tell you about who they are, I want you to think about, where can I say, tell me about it? What conversations can you have with people that at the end of it, they're asking you, no, 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 tell me about it. When? You gave your life to Christ, man, tell me about that. What, what parts of you are changed? How are you different now than, than you were five years ago? Man, t tell me about that. What, what are there, are there moments where you've risked something that you felt like God said something to you and at first you thought, I hope this is God, but this sounds crazy. And you want me to move my family. You want me to quit my job. You want me to take a different job. Do you know how much the pay difference is in these jobs? God, like you've had these moments where you're thinking through and you're like, this doesn't make sense. But you're willing to risk something. You're willing to step out. You're willing to, to live not just an ordinary life, but, but be willing to risk something to live an extraordinary life. Tell me about it. See, this series, for the next month, we want to talk. I want to talk. I want to get us talking about faith. That's what this series is about. 
series is about, faith. Let me show you what Hebrews says about faith. And, and some of us, have, if we've been in church long enough, we've seen Hebrews 11, one is gonna pop up here on the screen. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. When I was growing up, you learned that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's always ingrained in my mind. And I begin to think like, oh, okay, but that doesn't, that's an abstract thought. Like faith is something that I can't see, but it's hope, it's knowledge, it's confidence that what I can't see can happen, will happen because it's God. Okay, so it's thought, it's not really thought, it's belief, but it's not really belief. And then James begins to weigh in on what faith is in James chapter two. And before we get to this statement, I wanna kind of preface what's going on. He's talking about people saying that they have faith and he's like, look, I grew up in Missouri. And so when you grow up in Missouri, you can't just say something, you gotta show me. That's why we're the show me state. And that's how I believe that James was because he started giving examples of people saying, why well, I have faith. And he's like, well, you can't just say it, like I need to see it. And so he gave an example of, of someone needing a coat to keep warm and, and I have a coat and I see them and I say, hey, I'm praying for you to get warm, see ya. And you go on and James says, wait, but if they went away and you didn't share with them, you didn't do anything, what good was your faith then? And he follows it up with this in James chapter two, these next couple of verses are huge. It says this, so you see faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So James is saying faith without works is dead. I think we might have heard that before. Some of us have, have grown up hearing that. But James says that unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. It is the evidence of things. We can't see. James says, it's not enough for you to talk about it. It's not enough for you to say it's a belief. It's not enough for you to just choose to say, this is what I'm doing. It's more than that. It's not just saying I believe. It's choosing to put my money where my mouth is and back it up with the action, the life that I'm living. Hebrews 11 talks about faith. It gives us the definition of faith. And as we unwrap that, that chapter, we hear about the hall of faith, the great faith chapter, the men and women that lived their lives in faith. I wanna show you how it follows up. Verse one, because it says that faith shows the reality of what we hope for, the evidence of things we cannot see. But through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. Through their faith, by their faith, by the action of their faith, it wasn't just that they believed a certain thing. It's that they believed it enough that they were willing to stake everything on it. They were willing to respond when other people's weren't. They were willing to move when other people didn't. And so we are going to take a look at some of these people in the hall of faith. Because I want us to be a people that have a faith that is moving that tells a story, that allows us to have tell me about it moments with people around us. It's a faith that makes us take a step forward into action, into the greatest story ever told, God's story. That we can find our place in that, that by faith we receive life in Jesus Christ and we also reveal life to other people, that that's what faith does. And at the end of the day, man, our faith, our faith should lead us to living the life that Jesus gave his life to give us. 
I want you to keep that into perspective because if he said, I came to give you life more abundantly, a life that is full, a life that is fulfilling, a life that satisfies, a life that ignites the passion of who you are, it speaks to the purpose of why you were created. Some of us are living a life that is less than the life Jesus gave his life to give you. And we're dishonoring him by living a life that doesn't make it to what he hoped to give us. He gave his life to give you life, to give me life. Are we living that life or are we choosing to live a life less than? Today I want to talk to you about Choose Your Own Adventure. I don't know if growing up, anybody read the Choose Your Own Adventure books? You've seen those? Raise your hand. Yep, some of us that are a little older. Yep. They didn't work for me. I'll just be honest with you. Um, Because I'm the kind of person I need to know my options. And I want to find out which way actually gets me the best story. So I would read when you get to that part. It's a great book that allowed you to kind of lead through the main story. But I wanted to know. So, Lauren, when it came to the time to pick one or two, I would look at, okay, page 73. I don't like page 73. Page 22. We'll go with page 22. And then I would do that with each one. And so I weighed out my options. And can I tell you, that's sometimes how we do God when we live by faith. We want to find out the options and then we... Move on, but that's not really what we're going to talk about. But today is about choose your own adventure. Faith is about you choosing, you picking. What life will you lead? Let's pray. God, we have been in your presence this morning, Lord, and we are so grateful for the times that that we get to just hang out together and around your word. And I pray that as we do that, once again, that your word would speak life to us. It would, it would get inside of who we are. It would challenge our thinking. It would challenge our thoughts. It would challenge our actions. Lord, it would encourage us to be who you created us to be, to do what you created us to do. I pray that none of us will be able to leave today the same way that we came in because we spent time together in your word. Anoint this time together in Jesus' name, amen. My father was 59 years old when he passed away. And uh, man, there, there probably wasn't too many days that if I look at my dad's life that he wasn't doing something. Um, he would come home from work. He worked for Sears. He fixed appliances. He fixed everything. Like there was only a couple things that he could not fix, but he could fix anything. He started out as a mechanic. I mean, dude was smart. But there were very few days that my dad would waste time. Um, He worked every other Saturday for a long period of time. And then sometimes he worked one Saturday out of the month. And on days off, I'll I'll be honest with you, sometimes on my days off, I think, how late can I sleep in today? Like, can I not wake up until 12 o'clock, maybe stay in my pajamas all day? Like, that's a good day. That was not who my father was. My father did not, I, I, I can probably count on one hand, the days that I remember him doing things like that. There were not like Saturday afternoon, watch college football all day long. Nothing, there wasn't those moments. He was always doing something, fixing something, going somewhere to help someone else, doing something around the house. Here's the kind of man my dad was. He would take vacation days to work around the house. He would take vacation. He took a week off one time to fix the siding around the house. He put new siding up. Um, he, I remember this. He hired my cousin and took a week off and painted our old house one time. There was another time, man, my dad loved to try to grow really nice grass. He took a week off to grow grass in the front yard. But here was the process. Hey, we're going to kill all the grass in the front yard first. So wait, Dad, you're, so we're not going to have any grass? No, 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 no grass at all. It's just going to be dirt. 
Dad, I'm a teenager. Like, this is, this is not gonna work out for me if people drive by our house every day and know that this is where we live. So for an entire summer, I got to tell people how to get to our house by just coming to our street, find the dirt yard, and that's our yard. But man, my dad, he, he did stuff like that. He was about doing things, about getting things done, about seeing that value in every day and in getting things accomplished. And as he got older, man, it, his, his life changed. Who he was changed. Um, I mean, man, he, he grew more, more wise. The advice that he would give, the, the things that he was able to help you reason through and think through and the decisions that he would help you make, he became more patient. He became more giving. And, man, he became more loving. I tell you, probably the greatest moments that I got to spend with my dad were watching him with my kids watching them hold them and play with them. And then I, I think, and I tell people this all the time, that man, if, if my dad could have been Papa first, like we probably would have got along better as a teenager. <laughs> and, and it's been over seven years since, since my dad passed away. And there are a lot of things in my life that are different because of that. And there's one thought that I can't seem to escape, that one day my life is gonna end. And at the end of it all, will I have done all that I was supposed to do with my time, with my gifts, and the opportunities that God has given me? Because I think that none of us, none of us want to get to the end of our life and, and look back and, and realize that we missed living our life because we were just sleepwalking through every day. That the thought of surviving meant more than really living or thriving. We were content with just being a part of our lives, not actually living our lives. Some of us have had and had dreams and got opportunities, but there's something that has kept us from acting on it our entire life. There's fear, there's doubt, there's, there's failure, whatever it may be. We've reasoned in our minds why that's not for us, not for now, not this time. But will we regret living a life that didn't have moments where we risked things for faith? Will we look back and instead of smiling at our lives, we would cringe with regret. Will we look back and, and realize we didn't just waste potential in our life, but we missed purpose. But the great news about today is that day is not yet for any of us. That today we have an opportunity. Tomorrow you have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to choose to live our lives, to choose to look into each day and not just live with, with purpose in our mind or with potential in our minds, but purpose in our heart. That we don't think about wasted potential, but we think about missed purpose because everything has potential, but purpose is what you were designed for. And it's a way bigger thing to miss out on your purpose than to waste your potential. Can we live not just with potential in mind, but purpose in our hearts? Because we all, we all, there's not one person here that would say, I, I just, I don't want my life to matter. We all want to make a difference with our lives. We all want the world, our families to be a better thing because of who we are. But that does not happen by accident. We have to make choices. And this morning, I want to take a look at, at Moses and find a couple of things that we can choose to do that will give us more tell me about it moments. If you have your Bibles this morning or if you have your phone and you use it, 
we're going to open up to Psalms chapter 90. And most of you are like, wait, you said Moses, but you didn't say Exodus. You're right, I didn't. Psalms chapter 90. We're going to read verse 12. It says this. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. The New American Standard translates it this way. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Number our days so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. The author of this Psalms is Moses. Moses authored one Psalm, it's Psalm 90. And in that, he begins to share the thoughts that he's had as he's at the end of his life. And in light of the years that he's lived, the miracles that he's experienced, the things that God has done in him and through him, the things that he's done, the places that he's been, the wandering and wasting of time that Moses has experienced, he pens these words so that maybe we can understand a little bit better just how important each day is. His prayer is that we understand that they're important and that we would be wise with them. That we, what we do now should be valuable to the people following after us and it should honor the God that we serve, that I'm wise with what he's placed in my hands. Moses is telling us every day matters. Not this week, not just this year. Every day matters. Moses isn't telling us to, to write a country song and live like you were dying. He's not saying that, although if you want to go skydiving or Rocky Mountain climbing, I think I would be in on that. Um, or if you know a bull named Fu Manchu. I, sorry, the song won't stop now. Like I let it out. I took it out of my notes to not do this, but it just it wanted to come out today. Aaron ducked his head when I started talking about it, so it made me feel like I needed to go further. <clears throat> that's, not Mo that's not what Moses is saying. He's not saying, hey, you need to live like you're facing a terminal disease or you need to create a bucket list full of experiences that you have to have by the end of your life. No, no, no. He's praying that we realize that we only have the days that we have that make up our life. Time is the only commodity that, commodity that can be spent and not earned. It can't be banked. You can't use it later. You can't save it up and then. No, no, no. Time is the only commodity that is spent. And when it's gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. You can't recuperate it. This means that each day, each one matters. You only get this day, this moment, and this opportunity. You can't get them back. Most people, the biggest regret at the end of their life is they chose not to live a life that was true to themselves. They chose not to have the courage to be who they were supposed to be or do what they were supposed to do. And if we don't want to live a life of regret, if we don't want to look back and miss out on moments, then we need to be living each day like there's purpose in every step, like every decision Every move is taking me somewhere, and I get to choose to be a part of where God is taking me to go. I choose whether or not to follow him, but every day matters. That's what Moses' prayer was for us, that we would begin to realize this, because he gets this after 38 extra years of wandering in circles in the desert, wasting days. 
He says, look, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of my life. Understand this. Check this out. So I want to go back to where I believe the Exodus really began. Because it was true that Moses was no ordinary child. We, we read that in, in Hebrews 11. My father-in-law preached a message about that a couple of weeks ago. But that wasn't where it really began for me. As I read through this story, you know, God sets all this stuff up with this hero, this deliverer to show up that doesn't look like a hero. Heck, that, that guy doesn't even believe that he could be the hero. He maybe once did, but he doesn't know that guy anymore. I believe this, that the Exodus truly began when Moses was 80 years old. The first 40 years of his life, he spent living in a palace, learning that he was a prince, people taking care of him, doing things. He was important. He was somebody. In the next 40 years of his life, he lived as an outlaw, as a foreigner, as a nobody in the desert, in the wilderness, in the pasture. And the only significance to his life in that second 40 years might have been with his family and the few sheep that he took care of. And what brings me hope is that his current condition didn't stop God or God's plan from coming to pass. And so I want you to keep that in mind. In the moments where you're upset with where you're at in life, with what you've accomplished or you haven't accomplished or where you thought you would be by now or how things should have been, let me remind you that God is great at taking where you are and turning that into where you should be. That he's not disappointed. He doesn't, the plans that you had don't always match up with the plans that God has. And oftentimes he's using where you're at to get you to where he wants you to go. Let's look at how this worked for Moses. In Exodus chapter three, this is our next set of scriptures I should have told you that so that you could get there. Turn to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to put this up on the screen for you as well. It says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock into the wilderness and came to Sinai. You see, Moses didn't even have his own sheep, right? He saw these are his father-in-law's sheep. So he's, he, all he's got is his family. The sheep don't even really like him. He had to borrow them from someone else. He led the flock far into the wilderness. He came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. And though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, say closer look. Elbow your neighbor and say, closer look. <clears throat> All right, don't elbow him too hard. When he saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. What an amazing set of scriptures to be wrapped around in this story this morning. Do you see the foreshadowing here in just the beginning of this? Do you see the, the glimpse into what Moses is going to do and who he is going to be? I mean, where are they at? He, he led a, a flock of sheep to Mount Sinai. Eventually, he's going to lead a bunch of people to Mount Sinai. 
He's going to hear from God in this moment at Mount Sinai. And later on, he's going to hear from God at Mount Sinai. He's going to turn around and tell people what he said that day. What did God say in this moment at the bush? What's he going to do later? He's going to come down from the mountain and tell people what God said. This is foreshadowing the things that are, that are coming to pass. And Moses doesn't know that. He doesn't get that. And he doesn't know this, that God, Moses, and fire are going to be a consistent theme for the next 40 years of his life, that he'll spend time coming closer to God, hearing from him. And a lot of times God will show up in fire. He didn't know that going into it. Moses wasn't raised like all the other Hebrew boys. He didn't know who God really was. He only spent a little bit of time with his family. He spent the rest of his time with the Egyptians. He spent some time trying to figure out his identity and then he gets put out into the wilderness and he lives as a foreigner with the priest of Midian. He doesn't really know God in this moment, but there was something about what was going on. He was amazed at something extraordinary happening in his very ordinary day. God shows up. In, in scriptures in the Old Testament, we, we see the angel of the Lord showing up. And oftentimes we have to read the context to find out, is it really just an angel or is this God? And the big word for this is theophany. We see God showing up to people. And we see this happening here. And as we read, it's not just an angel, but this is God himself. Most people believe as you've unfolded that when the angel of the Lord or the captain of the armies of the Lord shows up, that that's a pre-incarnate version of Jesus. But from the fire, God speaks to Moses. It's an amazing, amazing time for Moses to see this happening. And Moses does what we all need to do, to have tell me about it moments, to, to have opportunity to share a story, to take steps of faith. It all starts with a choice. And Moses chose in this moment to move closer. He moved closer. Look back in the scripture. When God saw that Moses was coming closer, then God spoke. Don't miss this. For 400 years, God had not spoken. There had been prayer after prayer going up from the Israelite people that God would show up, that he would rescue them and deliver them. And you know what the answer was? Silence. For hundreds of years, people had been hoping that God would show up, hoping that he would speak. And you know what it took? It took one person moving closer for God to break his silence. Can I tell you this morning that God's silence does not equal his absence? You see, oftentimes we get so frustrated with our prayer life because we're praying for one thing and we're hoping that God will bring an answer right here, right now, and we get silence. And we equate silence with absence, but it doesn't equal because what the Israelites did not know is every prayer that they prayed, he heard. Later on in the story, he tells Moses, I've heard every prayer. I've heard every groan. I've seen every affliction. And now is the time to respond. So maybe, just maybe, maybe God is moving somewhere that you can't see, talking to someone you don't know, but he's on his way to be in the middle of what's going on in your life. Maybe that's how it will work. Silence does not equal his absence. Not now, not for the Hebrews, not then, not for Moses, not for us. Something happens when we come closer, when we choose to move closer. 
We've all been to stores that have automatic doors, right? We've been to Targets and grocery stores and on and on and on. When do they open up? When you get close. Here's the thing. If it's open the whole time, we think it's broke. If it's closed the whole time, we think it's broke. But yet when it comes to God, we hope that when God does something that right now, if that's the door God wants me to walk in, it needs to be open right now. With an arrow flashing saying, this is the door you're supposed to go into. Maybe the fact that we haven't heard from God on the direction that we're supposed to go is because we haven't yet moved close enough to him for that door to open. For him to say your name and this is what I want you to do. Maybe we're too far off hoping that God would show us what direction we can go when God is just simply saying, man, I'm right here. You see me, come closer, move closer. And just like those automatic doors, the minute we begin to step closer, everything can change because Moses' choice to move closer set in motion his relationship with God and how God would speak and how God would be remembered for centuries Moses would hear God. He would give the words of God. People would write that down. They would begin to move. They would see miracles happen on and on it goes. They would be told to tell about this story for generation after generation. Moses moving closer unlocked this key of who God was to this people that for centuries was written down. His choice to move closer is where it started. And don't miss where God spoke to him at. God chose to speak to him in the pasture, in the wilderness, not the palace. Think that through for a little bit. Because when we're picking people to do big things, if we have royalty and nobody, most of us would pick royalty, not the nobody. But God chose to speak to Moses in the pasture, not the palace on the outside at an insignificant place during an insignificant job on an insignificant day during an insignificant season of Moses's life, God showed up. That may be what you feel right now. You may feel like the job that you're doing is just a job. It just pays your bills. It doesn't feed your passion, your calling, or anything like that. You're wondering why you're wasting time at this place. You feel so lost and so insignificant. You feel like nothing matters right now, but maybe, just maybe, that's not how God sees it at all. Because God can still invite you into the story. Because obscurity doesn't limit God's opportunity. Moses was living a life of obscurity, in a place of obscurity. No one knew where he was or what he was doing. He was a no one. He was a foreigner. He was an outcast. We can't lose hope that in the moments where we're stuck in a rut, in a routine, at a job that we don't love, that doesn't make us excited, that maybe, just maybe, your miracle will come on Monday and not Sunday. Maybe if you begin to look for God every day, you will experience everyday miracles it's not just in the moments where we gather at church together. God didn't choose to speak to Moses in the palace when everything was perfect and in order and people waited on him and he was set up to win. He waited until he was in the pasture. That says something to me. It says that maybe God was waiting for something that happened in the palace to fall off of Moses in the wilderness. And so maybe the attitude that we've had that I know I've had with God of, God, I'm ready. Why won't you just do this for me right now? I got this covered. I'm good to go. Maybe God is saying, yeah, let's visit the pasture a little bit longer. 
maybe in the pasture, that there's something that he's perfecting in you that couldn't be perfected in the palace. He wasn't content enough with who you were when things were all good that he wants to take you to a place where you're looking to him a little bit more than you're looking to yourself. Maybe God is using the solitude of this season to bring salvation into your next season for you and for other people. We may need the wilderness to let some things die that we picked up in the palace. And maybe that's what God is waiting for to move us into our next season. And when we move closer to God, God can then remind you who you are. I mean, just in these four verses, when Moses moved closer, God says his name, Moses, Moses. And I believe this, that in that moment, Moses didn't just hear his name. I believe that in those moments, God wiped away some of the fear that he was carrying, some of the failure that he had been holding on to from, from the palace from the decisions that he had made, some of the embarrassment, some of the shame of, of being a failure, of being a shepherd, of being a no one and a nobody, that when he heard God say his name, the fact that he was a no ordinary child suddenly wasn't something that was going to get written about. It was a feeling that welled up deep inside of him. Because in that moment that God says his name, I believe that Moses heard who he was. You may not feel like you can do things for God. You may not feel like you can take steps of faith. You can do anything, but it all starts by you choosing, by me choosing to move closer where he can speak to you once again, where he can whisper your name because you're close. And that when you hear your name, it reminds you who you are and whose you are. And being close to him allows him to speak purpose to you and let you know that even though you thought you were a lost cause where you were, even though you thought that you were forgotten where you were, even though you thought you might have been hopeless because you've tried and you failed time and time again, that God has been planning on using you all along. That at every step that you took, he was still planning on using you. There was no disappointment. There was nothing that he couldn't use as long as we choose to come closer. If we choose to move in to where he is. There's a story on, on the internet that's pretty viral. <clears throat> it's about a man, his name is Sean Johnson. When he got to be about 55 years old, he realized that the life that he was living was, was great Monday to Friday. But he realized, man, Saturday and Sunday, I'm just kind of throwing those days away. I'm not doing anything but sleeping in, chilling in my recliner. He said, man, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. So he got this huge jar and he figured at 55 he probably lived for 20 more years and so he got 1,040 marbles and he filled up this empty jar with it and every Saturday and every Sunday he would take a marble out of the jar so that he would be reminded that this day matters that it's important and then 20 years later Lauren he sees that the jar is now empty and he begins to take the marbles and put them back into the jar. 
reminding him that everything beyond where he thought he would be is now a gift that God wants to use, that he could do something, that he doesn't want to waste time anymore. He wants to act and treat each day, every day matters. And man, I want us to be a people that chooses. I want us to be a a, a community that chooses to live with urgency that every day matters, that we would be the vehicle of hope, of love, of kindness that God would choose to use because we are approaching each day like it matters. We're choosing to come closer. And when we do that, when we move closer to God, everything changes. I become a better father a better husband. My family gets better, not because I'm getting better, but because I'm moving closer to God and I'm choosing to live life on purpose now each day. Everything can change if we would be a community that would do that. That's what I want. I want the people on the outside to look at us, not just as a building, but a people that's willing to come to where they are. It's willing to do what no one else will do, that that are willing to lead lives that have stories and will risk things for the gospel and for God that we weren't willing to risk yesterday, but we know who God is and we're willing to go the extra mile to do things that most people won't because God has done something for us and we want to take advantage of that and we want to bring that to other people. That's who I want us to be. But it all starts with the choice. It starts with the choice of where are you going to put your faith? Where are you going to rest your life at? Will it be in your hands or in God's hands? Our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and to have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.